every Arizona homeowner's best friend. And it all has to do with you. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition. Come on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour here at Rosie on the House. Fourth Saturday of the month. So we have Farmer Greg of UrbanFarm.org in studio. And if you've ever considered growing your own food, uh, this hour is designed to help you not only do that, but do it learning from somebody who's been teaching himself and going through mistake after mistake, trial and error learning, the my style of learning, you know, hands-on, <laughs> in the dirt, and what, what do you have in it, Greg? 30, 40 years in it? Oh, yeah, a little bit longer than that. I so, planted my first garden in 1974. So you may not be, you know... We may be able to get you to Greg's level in about a 20-year time frame, if you listen. You know, and This won't be a 40-year time to convert, but, but, but we, may, we may be able to shorten that by half, maybe. Yeah, but here's my level. I promise you I've killed more plants than everybody out there. <laughs> Are you like Rosie? Not on purpose. Not on purpose, yeah, probably. Hey, trial and error. You won't know until you try. There you go. Absolutely. And we're talking Absolutely. today composting, a big part yeah. of... Uh, really where it all starts. It's it's the soil. You know what? There is so much truth to that. And this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. I will uh, talk about it in ignosium if people will listen. But the single most important thing we can do to have a successful fruit orchard or garden is to build healthy soil. And so in this first segment, we're going to talk uh, about a few things that may not seem like building healthy soil, but I promise you we're going to get there. Okay. Take me away. All right. Pen in hand. I am ready. Yeah. So, you know, we've all heard about sustainability and, you know, sustainability became a big thing in the late 90s and the early aughts. And for me, I want to distinguish what sustainability is. Sustainability simply sustains the mess we've created. Sustainability doesn't do a lot to fix the broken systems that we have in place. Now, am I saying sustainability is bad? I'm not. Um, it's been, it, sustainability is a great place for people to begin thinking, but we have to go way beyond that. And in permaculture, uh, which I've been studying now for 30 years, I like to call permaculture the art and science of working with nature. In permaculture, we look at natural systems and see how we can integrate those natural systems into what we're already doing. And, you know, in nature, breakdown happens. You know, if you've got a forest, leaves fall off of the trees, an animal comes along and leaves a deposit, you know, worms start doing their what they're doing. And before long, we have this regenerative, not sustainable, this regenerative process in place that is actually naturally making soil. And Regenerative processes are generally circular in nature, so they they recreate themselves over and over and over again. And so looking at that perspective. I just looked up the dictionary definitions to define them. Sustainability, the ability to be sustained, supported, upheld, or confirmed. So like you said, you're just sustaining what already exists. Regenerative 
of relating to or characterized by regeneration. It's like you're saying, being able to recreate yourself or the system over and over and over. And the cool thing about regenerative systems, I have a whole front yard of food that just automatically grows every year. I rarely, all right, maybe 20% of the seeds that I plant and grow in my front yard food garden, I planted this year or last year. So 80% is your regenerative. Yep, 80% of what's the, of the food growing in my front yard self creates itself every year. And it's because I've raised carrots and I let the carrots go to seeds and the seed, the carrot seeds go get spread in the garden beds and they make carrots the following year. So the key to that is to not pick 100% of your carrot harvest. You've got to leave a couple left to go to seed. Exactly. Exactly. So that is distinguishing regenerative. And I always have my hand in the air drawing a big circle about what regenerative is because nature works very regeneratively. Natural systems regenerate themselves. If they don't, they go away. And if you, if we as human beings can figure out how to create systems that mimic nature, and there's a a study out there called biomimicry, and there's a study out there called permaculture. uh, If we watch natural systems, we can replicate those in our spaces. And what I've done here at the urban farm is I've created a circular composting system. So let me draw a picture of what that looks like, a verb, a word picture of what that looks like. Let's play Pictionary. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I harvest about 10 buckets of food waste from a restaurant a week. I've been doing it for about three years. And they and deliver it with their permission. Right? Oh yeah, with their permission. They, they, they. When I walk in the door every Saturday morning, hey Greg, how's it going? You know, we, and I eat there a lot. It's one of my favorite restaurants, and uh, and they, you know, they get between six and ten buckets of uh, pre-consumer food waste. So it's tomato ends and lettuce and that kind of stuff. And so I have that stream of of. Uh, compostables coming up the driveway once a week. We have a couple of neighbors that drop off food waste to us. And then we have our food waste. Now remember where I'm going is a regenerative food system. So all of a sudden I have all of this compost coming, compostables, it's not compost yet. I have this compostables coming up the driveway. Now there are four different places that these uh, compostables or food waste go before they make soil. So the whole point of a regenerative food system, a regenerative composting system, is to create healthy soil in the form of compost. So the food the food waste comes in, it goes in my worm bin. So I have a worm bin and the worms eat it and make worm compost or worm uh, castings, which is basically just worm poop. Fancy word for it. Fancy word. And in in gardening, we call it gardener's gold. There are so many good microbes in it. And it's just, there's this amazing life that lives inside of worm castings. So food, some of the food waste goes into the worm bins. 
the worms make worm poop out of it and I harvest that and I put it into the soil to make healthy soil. There's this another process that I do here called black soldier flies. And I guess the key thing you need to know about black soldier flies is, is that they will eat, they're a little grub and they will eat twice their weight in food waste a day. So they're very efficient uh, converters of food waste into their body, uh, which is a grub, which then goes to feed the chickens. So we actually feed these grubs to the chickens. Um, and the third place that this food waste goes to is the chickens. You know, we've got, uh, we've got 13 hens here that make eggs for us. And so some of those buckets of food waste just goes direct to them for fresh greens for the chickens. They love it. Then the chickens make eggs for us for one of the things. The other thing that the chickens do for healthy soil is they give us chicken poop. So that chicken poop then goes to the fourth place, which is our composting system here at the urban farm. And I, uh, I take the rest of the food waste and yard waste and grass clippings and leaves and branches and all that kind of stuff. And that goes into an actual composting system. Now, each one of these four things that I just mentioned ultimately makes healthier supplements or healthier soil that then go into the soil. But we're talking about, you know, physical work here. You really haven't done a lot. I don't. So far, the, you know, the, the chickens, the, the worms, the grubs, the soldier flies, you're just yeah. feeding them and they're the ones doing the work. Exactly. This is the lazy, you, we've talked about me being a lazy gardener before, right? <laughs> yes. This is, the, this is the lazy gardener coming out in me, absolutely. So all of these things are giving me different components of healthy soil. So then what I do is in the end, what I get is this supplements that is healthy, that goes into the soil to make my soil healthier. And the cool thing for me is that since I started collecting the buckets of food waste from the restaurant, I don't have to buy compost anymore because by the end of the season, by October, I'll be able to harvest enough compost, fresh compost that I made here at the urban farm for all my garden beds, which then, and here's where the circular part comes in. All of that goes into my garden beds that grows healthy soil, that grows healthy plants that I harvest the food from. I take the food scraps from that it goes back into the system and starts over again. That's where the circular part is. And you answered a question I had been sitting on when we're talking regenerative. You know, a lot of our listeners are rural. We're talking urban farming. You're uh, right in the center of Phoenix, Glendale, yeah. and about 12th Street. You know, for somebody yeah. who might be a little more rural and doesn't have a local restaurant or they've already got their the restaurant has two or three people they're providing the food scraps for and they're at limit, what is your alternative? And you had mentioned that you can buy compost and just about any landscape yard will deliver yards of it for you. I'm not talking going to the nursery and getting four or five sacks. You can get yards and dump trucks dropped and then you could just have your pile there and it's never going to go bad. So you get one right. big pile that it may take you two or three years to burn through it all. Well, you want to keep it wet. Um, I wouldn't, you could let it sit that long, but I would just get enough for each year. And here's the deal. The best place to buy compost in bulk here in town. You ready? 
Arizona Worm Farm. Okay, Arizona Worm Farm. And Arizona we'll have, Worm Farm. We'll have contact information on how to get a hold of them right after this. Continuing our conversation with Farmer Greg of the Urban Farm on composting. You had mentioned the best place to get bulk compost, Arizona Worm Farm. And during the break, I went to ArizonaWormFarm.com, and it says, sold out of compost. (laughs) (laughs) So, you're right. It is the best place because everyone's already been there. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm sure they'll have some for the fall. They're they're a big production facility there, and they can deliver it to you by the truckload. And that's one uh, yeah, you can contact them now. Get on a distribution list, or yeah, you know, exactly. follow. They've got a looks like they've got a couple social media accounts you could follow them from updates. Uh, more will come, but they are down on Nineteenth Avenue, just north of Dobbins, so all the way yeah. down at South Mountain. South Mountain, exactly. If you're in Southern Arizona, uh, Tanks, Tanks Green Stuff. Yes, Tanks is a great, great, great place for compost. Um, I recently had a customer buy a truckload, literally a dump truckload up here and they you know they were up here and they had it shipped up here so that's a, if you need a lot you can actually get it delivered uh, from tanks as well perfect tanks so. green stuff and arizona worm farm for those of yeah. you that may want to bypass uh you know this system you're talking about getting food scraps and putting it together somebody just started that today it, it takes a little while to build up and yep. get enough compost and so if you're looking to get started and falls a great time for planting there's a couple resources to go get a, a little bit of bulk compost. But back to yeah. your process, once somebody is started, and you know, how do we keep this regenerating? Yeah. So uh, one of the big things about local compost is it's got local microbes in it. So if you're growing compost on your property, uh, the, the microbes are uh, best for your property or best for your city. If we're buying bags of compost that come from Minnesota, it's different microbes, so it's not nearly as good. So I'm a big, big, big component of local compost. That's why I'm, you know, Arizona worm farm and tanks. So um, there's one more thing I want to step into before we actually get into the composting process. And this is something called stacking functions. This is in permaculture. And uh, what I just shared last segment I was stacking functions with this food waste. So I've got this food waste doing multiple things for me. It's feeding worms, it's feeding um, black soldier flies, it's feeding the chickens. And all of that is feeding the compost bin. And so whenever we have a resource in our yard, like a chicken, uh, you know, what's an industrial chicken good for? You know, an industrial raised chicken, Romy? Well, <clears throat> uh, right here in Arizona, we've got Hickman's. They have both the egg side of it and the Farm's Choice chicken poop compost exactly. side of it. Exactly. So they're actually doing it. But generally, an industrial chicken is good for eggs and meat. And I love what Clint and the crew over at Hickman's is doing. They're actually making, putting in play more regenerative processes over there. So um, you know, and I've talked to them many times about this over the past couple of decades. And, love, love, love what they're doing. And the meat that we eat from chickens isn't the same uh, chicken that's laying the egg. They're, they're different Correct. breeds that these growers breed specifically for one purpose, exactly. whether it's egg or meat. As you recall, yeah. as you say, Farmer Greg, meat birds. 
correct? Exactly, yeah, they're yeah. meat birds, yeah, exactly. So back to the stacking functions concept, um, with chickens, the chickens in my yard, they're not just here for the eggs, they're here for the eggs, they're here for the, here for the poop, they're great diggers, they eat weeds, they eat seeds, bugs. they eat bugs, um, they're doing all of these things. You mentioned it in the last segment, Romy, you said, Greg, you're not doing very much work. You're letting the animals do the work. It's like, yes, absolutely. So that's stacking functions. And I mean, you can do stacking functions all the way from um, uh, the garden to driving your car. Uh, when I was getting my degree at ASU about 15 years ago, uh, I was in a transportation planning class and they started talking about trip stacking. Trip stacking is you don't go to the hardware store and come home and the grocery store and come home. You go to the hardware, the grocery store, the pet store, and then you come home. So it's it's a it's a simple concept that compacts things that if we think about it, we can make multiple use out of one thing. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And it's funny that you know, you even have to mention that because, but it is like if you live where there's a lot of conveniences, it, I could see it being real easy. Oh, I need this. So I go a half a mile and get it and come back. And then a couple hours later, you're doing a project. Oh, I need this from the exactly. hardware store. And you go, well, when, you know, we live in an area, it's 25 minutes to anything. So you right. don't, you don't just run down to the street. When you go, you, all right, what else do we need? Uh, let's look at our animal feed. Let's look at our groceries. Yeah. Let's look at the projects we have going on at the house. What about the landscape? Do we need any gas for the the lawnmower or the weed here? You know, we we don't leave the house ever with just one thing in mind. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm talking about. And when you start thinking about stacking functions, you can basically apply stacking functions to most everything in your life. So I just really invite your listeners to think about that and start playing with that. So the first thing that happens when somebody calls me or emails me and says, hey, I got kitchen scraps, I wanna start a compost bin. Um, I go to worm composting. So that's, you know, we're gonna dig into worm composting here in the next segment, I guess. Yes, sir, we will, right here at Rosie on the House. Every Saturday morning, eight o'clock, outdoor living hour, fourth Saturday of the month. Urban Farming with Farmer Greg. Learn more as well at urbanfarm.org. Vegetable and fruit peels, eggshells too. If you don't need them, I sure do form a compost heap. I got a compost heap. In the garden here at the Urban Farm with Farmer Greg, and we were just just about to dive in how how deep are we going on worm castings are we going knuckle deep wrist deep or elbow deep how we we got this is a long segment here i think we can get all the way to the elbows i was gonna say let's go knee deep (laughs) knee deep there you go yeah all the way i will often get emails and questions from people that says i need to start a composting program here at my house where do i start my first question to them is how much scraps do you have? And if, if you just have kitchen scraps, starting a compost bin is kind of futile. Composting isn't easy. It takes a, it takes a lot of material to 
compost efficiently, you're going to need 20 to 40 cubic feet. That's like a yard to two yards of materials in order to get your compost bin started. So the place I direct people to is worm casting, worm composting, they make worm castings. Um, and you can literally put a bucket underneath your sink. And I know some people kind of go, but <laughs> Yuck. the the nice thing, an Arizona worm farm has classes on how to do this, where you actually go home with a, a worm bin that you can keep inside. And you actually need to keep them inside in the winter, in the summertime, not in the winter. In the summertime, you actually need to keep them inside. That'd be so that they pretty hard cook. to keep the soil damp enough to keep them alive. Yeah, outside or, in the summer, or you put a or you put a block of ice on them, which is what I do with mine. I put a, a daily block of small block of ice that I freeze in the freezer. Um, but worm composting is super simple, just like you said in the first segment. You don't do very much, Greg. You're right. For my worms. I give them some food scraps once a week and I throw a block of ice, a small block of ice in there in the summertime to keep them cool. And that's it. And they're doing the rest of the work. And uh, you can do a small tote and that's one that you keep inside. And really what you're doing is you can get some cocoa peat or you can shred up newspapers and you just put a layer of three to four inches of shredded newspapers or cocoa peat in the bottom of the tote, add a little bit of water to it, just dampen it up enough, and then start throwing your food scraps in there. And people say to me, oh my gosh, isn't it gonna smell? And once it gets going, after a couple of weeks, once it gets going, you will be surprised with the pound of worms in there, you will be surprised at how quickly they consume the food waste that's in there and that it doesn't smell. And, and there's no use to put dirt in that at all? There's no use to put dirt in there at all. Okay. Uh, in fact, I think with uh, Arizona Worm Farms, they just use shredded uh, shredded cardboard and shredded newspapers as, as their base for starting. I'll be. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the worms are pooping out this, really, it's soil. It's this great soil. So that's a that's a super simple way to do it is with a with a tote bin. Uh, another way to do it is a build your own. I've built my own here that's uh, it's, it's called a flow through bin. So part of the challenge with worm composting is how do you get the worm castings out without getting the worms out? Mm. So, so you have this tote and you know it's, you've been putting food waste in it for six months now and there's this nice layer of worm poop compost in there and there's worms throughout if you take a half of a melon and stick it on one side all the worms will go to one side and then you just harvest the worm poop out of there and throw it in your garden it's great for garden house plants that kind of stuff what i've done here at the, go ahead i say and by sticking that melon in there and attracting them all to come eat uh, you know they're just continuing the cycle you don't have to exactly. move that melon later just leave it there it'll It'll be uh, repurposed shortly. Right, exactly. That's exactly it. Uh, and then what I've done here at the Urban Farm is I actually built a flow-through worm bin. So I had some 
wood scraps here, two by sixes, and I built a box that is two feet wide, three feet long, and about three feet tall. And I put it on posts standing about four feet above the ground. And then what I did is I went and I bought, um, you know, the racks that are in ovens, you know, oven racks. Uh -huh. I went to a used appliance store and I bought a couple of oven racks and I screwed them to the bottom of this bin. Okay. And then what I do is I put a layer of cardboard on the bottom and I put my worm composting in there. And this goes on for about a year. And what happens is after about six or eight months, the cardboard has broken down and the worm castings start falling out of the bottom. So I have a collection system underneath so that when the worm castings are ready, the worm castings fall in the buckets underneath and I use them in my garden. And then I keep adding food waste to the top. And as I do that, the worms migrate to the top and eat the food waste. And so do you, does it ever completely drain once that cardboard's gone? Or is your, your uh, great system from you know, the oven, is, is it stacked close enough that it won't all ever completely fall out? Mostly, it doesn't completely fall out. Okay. Cool. And um, occasionally, it, I'll lose a corner or something, but it goes in the buckets underneath, and I just put it right back in. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. But I like the, it. The, yeah. So that's a homemade, that's a homemade flow-through worm composting bin. And, um, you know, it works real well. And, you know, and it's been in existence now, I think, for about five years. And I think the wood's starting to go, but... You know, once once that's done, I'll just finish composting the wood and it becomes part of the garden beds as well. And you were mentioning, you know, you got to keep the worms inside during the summer. Is this something mm -hmm. then that you're only doing like fall through spring or do you have this on a covered patio that's kind of got a microclimate? Yeah, I have my worm bin buried deep in my uh, one of my orchards here at the urban farm. And I know when I say that, it sounds like I have hundreds of acres here, um, but I have a, a 80 feet wide by 160 foot deep property. It's about 13,000 square feet. But in my backyard, I have this densely forested orchard that I planted about 20 years ago. And I've, I've buried the worm bin in there and still I have to put some ice in there. So to get the buckets out, you have like a root cellar type system you walk down to get it? them out from oh, no, no, no no this is this this bin is sitting up on top of the ground about four feet off of the off of the top of the ground so the bottom the grates underneath it are about four feet up so I'm, so i just have the buckets sitting on the ground underneath catching the worm bins the but then you said catching. the worm bins are buried so i'm having a hard time picturing this <laughs> no the worm bins aren't buried oh when you say buried in your orchard it's it's not buried physically oh, yeah, in the ground. Yeah, yeah. It's, placed, it's placed. It's placed underneath the foliage of the leaves. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Gosh. I, I'm slow this morning too. Apparently. <laughs> Go, goofy me. What can I say? <laughs> I took it too literally. It's it's placed deep in the protection of the 
of the orchard orchard yes, leaves exactly. and branches. Cool. We'll need a schematic diagram for this for our podcast page. <laughs> I'm caught up. You know I'm what? caught up. I, I can actually I can actually snap a couple of pictures and send them to you for the oh. show notes page. Oh, that'd yeah. be do perfect. that. Do that. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. So then those are the couple of ways. Then there's actually uh, commercial worm composting systems that you can buy that start at uh, $159 or so. Um, you know, the, the one that I have in my head right now, it's uh, stacked four trays high. So uh, you have the base of it and then you have a, a tray on top of it and you start the, you put your compostables in there and some worms. And then when that mostly gets done, you add another tray on top, put compost compostables in the second tray and the worms migrate up to the next layer. And then you add another tray on top of that and the worms migrate up. And then, so by the time you've filled four trays, the first tray is ready to harvest. So you just lift off the three trays on top, you pull the first heart, first tray out and voila, you're there. So there, there's simple ones like that, that you can do um, all the way up to, you know, you can spend multi thousands of dollars on uh, flow through bins. And there's a whole industry, there's a whole huge industry out there on uh, uh, worm composting. In fact, I saw one, oh my gosh, maybe two decades ago. Uh, Linda, there was a woman named in Phoenix named Linda, and she was raising worms and selling the worms and the worm compost here. And she also raised rabbits. So her worm bins were underneath her rabbit pens mm. so that the rabbit poop went down into the worm bins. The worms ate the rabbit poop, made it into... Um, composted soil, you know, worm composted soil. So she not only was she getting rabbits, she was getting worms and worm poop. That's what I like. You know, that's a great way of stacking functions. And I've seen guys that do something similar with aquaponic where the chicken pins above yep. the aqua farm and they, you know, it cycles through that way. So there's more than one way to stack functions with animals and different types of animals and you know, I'm I'm sure there would be a way to even do a bleed off from the aquaponic farm for the worm casting, I'd, right? And there there would be there there would be a way if somebody was just so uh, motivated to to come up with that. Well, you just watch nature. You know, yeah. start looking at paying attention to what's happening in nature. And you said you could spend up to thousands, but I know from our years of doing this broadcast that you're not one to go out and just spend a bunch of money. Like you said, the, no. your your worm casting is a couple two-by-fours that the sun's beaten up, but then you'll just, you know, a couple two-by-fours to start over and last another few years and yep. let, the, let the rest of the wood just compost back into nature. Exactly. And by the way... Most of the wood that I use here at the urban farm is repurposed wood. Uh, you know, at, at some of the big box stores, they have purple wood, you know, stuff that's been spray painted. I'm always looking out for that. Uh, a buddy of mine works for UPS and he uh, harvests on his route. He's in an industrial route. Um, he will go out on a Saturday and harvest scrap wood from pallets and that kind of stuff that just, you know, somebody ships something and there's shipped with two by fours, you just go harvest them. And so there's so much wood out there. And like you said, the anybody that sells lumber, most of them will have a cutting station. So if you're coming just for one specific cut, they'll cut it for you. And then they've got a bin for the scraps, yeah. um, you know, 
going and picking up those scraps if they'll let you. A lot of them will. Some of them are picky, but you know, just walk around and find a few, and it, it's easy. And uh, job sites, um, there's a lot of construction going on right now. Oh, if you see a bin time. full of wood, um, you know, most Gosh. of the general contractors, if you ask, they're totally fine because that costs them to go throw that away later and have it hauled off. So if you're taking yeah. the scraps and repurposing it, you know, it just saves their, uh, you know, their, their, their waste load. Yeah, exactly. All right. Final segment with Farmer Greg coming up right after this. Well, Mr. Peterson, now that we've all but composted this hour, what uh, what are we going to finish with our final segment here? <laughs> oh, you know, there's always tons more than we have time for. Let's finish up with composting. Okay. Actual thermophilic composting. So when people talk about composting, they mean thermophilic or hot composting. The biggest challenge with hot composting is building a system of collection where you get enough greens, that's your nitrogen, and enough browns, that's your carbon, to get a good mix. And it's generally thought 30 to 40% greens and 60 to 70% browns mixed together in a compost bin is what's gonna get you the heat. So. When I first start a a bin here at the Urban Farm, um, I'm putting a layer of woody mulch at the bottom. I'm a huge proponent. You guys have heard me screaming about woody mulch. There's a great website out there called chipdrop.com that will coordinate with you and a tree service. Just know if you get woody mulch from chipdrop, you're gonna get 20 or 30 cubic yards. That's a lot (laughs) of material. So I, what I do, is I have a couple neighbors actually that I they'll get a drop and I'll go harvest some of the woody mulch. So my carbons here at the urban farm are woody mulch, leaves from last year, um, some dried grass clippings. When grass clippings are green, they're a, a green. When they're dried out, they're a brown. So remember, greens are nitrogen, Browns are carbon, and we need, let's just for the sake of argument, call it 30-70. You need 30% greens, 70% browns. Now, if you have a five-gallon bucket and you put 30% greens and 70% browns in that five-gallon bucket, it's, it's hard to get that, the composting process going when it's that small. So my favorite way of doing composting is the pallet composting method where you get four pallets. So you basically you get four by four by four and you fill that up. Now, if you do the math on four by four by four, that's 64 cubic feet of material. That's 64 cubic feet of browns and greens. That's a lot. That's why if somebody only has kitchen scraps, I send them to the worm bin. Um, But if you're gonna do this, what you do is you get your greens and you get your browns. You start with a layer of maybe six or eight inches of woody mulch at the bottom as the base. And then what I do is I take some of those scraps from the restaurant and I'll put four to six buckets in there. And then I'll put another four to six inches of woody mulch on top of that. And then I'll go to the chicken coop and I'll harvest the chicken poop in the, you know, in the chicken sleeping area. And I'll put a, you know, a 
one inch layer of that on the pro on, on the on the process and then i'll add six inches of woody mulch on that so and then i'll let it sit the the chicken poop is is your green even if it's dried out exactly okay it's high in because the great question because it's high in nitrogen so now what i've just done is i've created a 12 inch base for my compost bin the thing that's going to happen in the next 30 days is that 12 inches is going to go down to about four inches it breaks down that fast and how it does that is there's microbes that are in there that are eating this stuff in there like mad they're eating the greens and they're eating the browns and um that creates heat that's where the thermophilic composting part comes in and what kind of heat are we talking about 160 degrees just oh, yeah. naturally mixing it together. Just naturally mixing it together. You, you can get between 140 and 160 degrees. The nice thing is anything above about 150 degrees is going to kill weed seeds. So if you're collecting dandelions and other desert, you know, things in your yard or Bermuda grass, you're using Bermuda grass in there, that those temperatures will kill the seeds. I like it. And yeah. 160 degrees when cooking chicken is the perfect temperature. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> but we are not advocating. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> so let me just jump in here real quick. There's Gary going out to his compost and digging through it to find his I'll, chicken. I'll be right back. Chicken. <laughs> just just well, close it off. <laughs> I suppose you could if you wrapped it good enough. Uh, I'll, let, I'll let Gary experiment with that. Yeah, I'll take care yeah, of that. There you go. I'll get back there to you, you in a year. <laughs> Healthy soil, there's five components of healthy soil. Organic matter is one of the pieces. Compost is organic matter. I have a, uh, a little website I set up called healthysoilhacked.com with some videos on composting and sheet mulching and you know all the things to help you build healthy soil. And composting is different than mulch. And you know we've talked about the difference of those before. We've got bod broadcast podcast now on mulching and the difference of that but chipdrop.com great resource uh, arizona worm farm another great resource tanks green stuff and of course urbanfarm.org you can find this podcast at rosyonthehouse.com slash radio and today's date july 24th and next month we'll be back with farmer greg uh one of my favorite backyard fruit trees you got your yes pop-up nursery coming soon Yep, yep. And a lots and lots of education in September and October. And September was, is, uh, the. I understand your seat up will be back in person? Yep, we're going to do the seat up the first weekend of October. And so that's right uh, j- just after our September 25th seed saving podcast. So exactly. you'll be educated and able to go pick up a bunch of your own heirloom seeds to get started. Urbanfarm.com, right. urbanfarm.org. Mr. Peterson, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. I always love being here. Woohoo! <laughs>